traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hi, I'm Kirsty Major, Commissioning Editor here at The Independent, and this is Double Take, a podcast in which our writers come into the studio to read and discuss one of their opinion pieces. It could be their weekly column or something from the archives that shines some light on this week's news. Today, I'm joined by Aidan Harper, who will be reading and discussing his piece, Robots Are Going to Make England's North-South Divide Even Worse. There's a lot that distinguishes the North and the South of England, from whether you call a sandwich a bap or a balm, or your weekly wash a bath or a bath. Accents aside, there is a very real problem of wealth disparity between the two. Regional inequality in the UK is already the worst in Europe. The gap between the richest and poorest region in the UK is wider than the gap between the richest and poorest region in any other country within the EU. This divide is reflected in significant health inequalities, with one report suggesting that those living in the north of England are 20% more likely to die early. And robots are going to make this a hell of a lot worse. It is being reported that 30% of existing UK jobs could be impacted by automation by the early 2030s. Another report has found that the highest levels of future automation are predicted in Britain's former industrial heartlands in the north of England, as well as the Midlands and the industrial centres of Scotland. To avoid a crisis in unemployment in the north of England, action has to be taken to deal with the expected impact of automation. The creation of a successful northern powerhouse will be dependent on more than the injection of investment into particular projects. To create more jobs and training opportunities, those with full-time jobs must counterintuitively work a little less to open up opportunities for those looking to enter the workplace. The shorter working week is one way workers can take back control of their time in an effort to avoid a 1980s style crisis. In times of crisis, workers have historically demanded a shorter working week in order to reduce unemployment through the sharing of available work. In 1919, workers in Scotland demanded a 40-hour working week so that discharged soldiers coming home from the war could find employment. More recently, German unions fought for a reduction in work hours to reduce unemployment, increase job security and provide more opportunities for training. This was a major reason why unemployment remained so low in Germany after the 2008 recession despite experiencing an even deeper fall in GDP than the United States. In the UK, workers are attempting to avoid a crisis by fighting for a shorter working week and taking control of their time. The CWU, who represent 134,000 postal workers, are negotiating for four key demands, including a shorter working week. The demand for a reduction in working hours is a direct response to the impact of automation on postal workers. A shorter working week could also play a role in increasing productivity in the UK and strengthening the economy at large. We can learn from countries such as Germany, the Netherlands and Sweden, all of whom work fewer hours and have higher levels of productivity. To provide an example from Sweden, at Toyota Services Centre in Gothenburg, working hours have been shorter for more than a decade. Employees moved to a six-hour day 14 years ago and have never looked back. From 7am to 4pm working day, 
the service centre switched to two six-hour shifts with full pay, one starting at 6am and the other at noon, with fewer and shorter breaks. As a result of this change, staff wellbeing increased, turnover decreased, efficiency rose and profits increased by 25%. Since shortening working hours, productivity in the service centre has increased. Mechanics now produce, in 30 hours, 114% of what they used to produce in 40 hours. Whether workers will be able to achieve a shorter working week is a question of power, not of affordability. Productivity has steadily increased in developed economies over the past 40 years, whilst wages have flatlined. One of the effects of this has been to make it harder to work fewer hours. Since the 1970s, work time has barely reduced, despite an increase in productivity by a factor of 2.5. Germany and the Netherlands have some of the lowest number of hours worked per year in the world, and some of the highest levels of GDP per person, demonstrating that shorter working hours are entirely feasible. This is a problem of distribution. The benefits of productivity increases are being hoarded by an ever smaller group of people. If these benefits were shared around more equitably and wages were to increase in line with productivity increases, we would all be able to afford to work a little bit less. The North has an illustrious history of trade unionism and with it, the collective struggle for the 40 hour week. For a prosperous future, it must be inspired by its past and once again lead the call for a shorter working week. Thanks for joining us, Aidan. Well, thanks for having me, Kirsty. No worries. So one thing that strikes me about the whole debate around the four-day working week is how resistant people are to the idea of having one extra day off a week. You can't give it to people. Mm. <laughs> Why is that, do you think? I think there is um, an issue here about um, a particular work ethic that we have in this country whereby the idea of working longer hours is associated with strong moral values. Um, some have called it the Victorian work ethic, and it seems to permeate through most of society and informs a lot of our thinking around the way that we structure work. Um, this is a particularly hard cultural element uh, to shift that we at the Four Day Week campaign are seeking to shift, um, particularly because we think that it doesn't necessarily mean that work is working as it should do and that there are actually more values outside of just hard work in the workplace that we need to uh, we need to speak to when we think about the structure of work so for example uh, we think that you should think about the idea of the individual in society as a whole and how do you create a, a flourishing individual in a flourishing society that takes more than just hard work in the workplace in fact it creates um, I, I would argue and we would argue at the campaign that too much work is actually damaging to the idea of a flourishing society. Is the idea of creating an economy that allows people to thrive rather than one than just that, that just grows exponentially? Exactly. So one argument that people always come back with is it will destroy the economy. Mm. How can you take people out of the workforce? They have lower output. You're losing hours worth of productivity. Um, you know, you raise overheads because you need to hire more staff to cover that extra day. What would you say to those arguments? I would firstly approach it by looking at international examples and economies which are um, clearly performing better than ours. So if we look across the continent in Europe, we have countries like the Netherlands, Germany and Sweden, um, most of Scandinavia in fact, um, who all work fewer hours than we do and yet per person are much wealthier. 
that clearly shows that there isn't this direct connection between working hours and how wealthy a country is or how strong an economy is. In fact, the opposite appears to be true. So countries which work fewer hours tend to be wealthier per person. Again, within Europe, the country that works, fewest, um, that works the most hours is Greece. And their economy is obviously really? not something <laughs> that we, uh, we want to look to. And then there are arguments around why working less is good for the economy and good for businesses. Uh, all the evidence points towards the fact that it seems to increase productivity. It increases worker well-being. It decreases sick leave and turnover. So these are things that all lead to the conclusion that we should look at moving towards a shorter working week because it creates a stronger economy. And it creates an extra economy in terms of a leisure economy. I'm mm. sure people were having the same debates around the five-day work week when we went from six days to five days. But you have a whole weekend's worth of economic activity, right? And you'd have an extra day of that. But actually, I think the, one of the biggest arguments for the four-day working week, and maybe one which isn't, is picked up by people like Alex Williams and Nick Cernicek, is the environmental aspect. Mm. Sometimes when I feel like when we start talking about productivity and growth, we're kind of buying into the arguments of bosses and business. Mm -hmm. But actually, any model based around higher, producti higher productivity and higher growth is based around higher consumption. But actually, that is something we need to start moving away from, right? And a four-day work week could lower the amount of energy we consume. What, mm -hmm. what would you have to say about that? Uh, I would absolutely agree. And it's one of the key arguments around moving towards a short-term working week. Uh, the person who you really want to look at for this is a woman called Juliette Shaw, who's an American economist, environmental economist. And she's done a ton of research into this and has found that to move towards a low-carbon economy, you have to move towards a shorter working week. Uh, higher work weeks are associated with higher consumption. Um, this is for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which is that people have less time to do things which are uh, relatively carbon neutral. I get upset looking at how many wasabi and prep boxes there are in our bins at work. It generally upsets me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So people with less time um, because they're in work too much, don't have time to cook their own meals. They end up buying all these like high energy food products. They end up driving or getting cabs to work instead of walking or cycling. These things really do affect not just carbon emissions, but we're in London and we've got a disgusting local environment here. And that's to do with transport and um, the fact that people aren't walking or cycling to work to a large degree. Um, outside of that, yeah, then people also spend a lot of their money, their hard earned money on um, easily consumable goods, whether it's televisions or um, playstations or wherever it is to make them happy in the spare time that they have outside of work. Really what you want to be doing is spending less time in work and doing things which, well, take a lot of time but are also relatively carbon neutral. For example, exercising, spending time with friends and family, the things that make life worth with living. And that's where classical economists freak out a little bit because you say to them, maybe we need to move towards a society which has lower consumption and they're like lower consumption mm. why it would fall apart you need to generate demand to generate more jobs you know mm. your your economy will fall apart and part of me thinks maybe the really big question underlying all of this and, and some sometimes i think the literature around four-day working week doesn't really do this which is our economic economic model is broken the idea that the economy only has well the economy is cyclical and it only involves household wages the state trades and business. 
But actually, there's other parts like who makes the sandwiches for the workers. Mm. Where's all the unpaid labour going in this model? And the environment, how does the environment factor into this? So I, sometimes I feel like the five-day work week corresponds to a really outdated economic model, whereas the four-day work week perhaps works for economists like the one you mentioned, but also Kate Raworth, who mm. has come up with the donut theory. Yep. Um, she brought her book out this yep. year. She's Do you think really that's good. the case? Do you think to bring in a four-day working week, you'd have to essentially radically redesign the way we think about our economy? I was actually having this discussion quite recently and I think that what's so good about a shorter working week is it fits within both models. It's harder to fit within a classical model of economics, but it's not um and and it it you have to put forward the argument that um, as you were saying, uh, classical economics is very much demand led. And those demands are based on what people want at the time, needs and needs and desires. And if those needs and desires aren't towards something like consumption or a growing GDP, then they could be changed towards um, wanting more time outside of work. And this is why the cultural shift is so important. If you were to get the majority of the population to think, oh, I want um, productivity increases to actually feed towards me spending more time outside of work rather than me having higher wages and buying things, then that the under classical economic theory, the economy should reflect that. Um, within other forms of economic thinking, like um, the donut theory from Kate Raworth and, and a series of others, um, this idea of an economy which is self-sustaining, um, where we think of uh, an economy of unpaid labour, particularly um, um, unpaid labour overwhelmingly done by women outside of um, outside of paid labour. Again, the short working week is essential for um, maintaining that. Um, and for redistributing unpaid work and for giving people the time to um, to care, to do cleaning, to build relationships, to educate, to do everything outside of which you can't do within um, waged work. And then my last question would be around, again, one of the really big arguments that people who adhere to um, or classical economics would be which is the lump of labour fallacy. I'll save it for last for you, Aidan. Um, the idea that there's only a set amount of work to go around. So if you have a four-day work week, <laughs> you know the idea is that um, there might be less jobs because of automation. So you, uh, say, split one job into two. So two people can have that one person's job. And there's a school of thought which says that's not true. There's not a set amount of work that you can simply divide. <laughs> Rather, one job creates another job. How do you think that interplays, though, with automation now? Do you think that lump of labour fallacy is still a pertinent question? I think it is. Um, and I think automation um, is something which we are going to have to think about a lot as a society and quickly. Um, automation will and is currently having an impact on our economy. The degree to which it will lead to mass unemployment is a very contested one. What is virtually uncontested is the fact that it's going to create a serious amount of disruption in the economy. And a lot of people are going to either lose their jobs, um, new jobs may be created, which they can get then go, go on to, but there is going to be a lag, even under the most optimistic circumstances. Um, with new forms of automation um, and the use of digital technologies and algorithms, um, which are, look like they are going to uh, 
take swathes of jobs out of the economy very quickly or certainly tasks from certain jobs we need to think about how we deal with that and a shorter working week and the sharing of the jobs that are that remain um, is essential and historically that always happened right with the increase or the increasing automation of certain parts of the economy, you mm -hmm. have a shortening of the work and week from like 19, if you look at the graphs, 1908 mm. to 1940, slow, steady decline. And then somewhere around the 1940s, it just flatlined. Mm. But mm. we're at a stage now where it starts to, you know, go down a little bit again, maybe. Exactly. And um, and not just historically. I mean, you, you can look at, again, other countries which, and, and trade unions in particular have historically put forward this argument. Um, and Germany is, again, a very good example of, 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 a, of a country where trade unions have said um, we want shorter working hours so that we can protect jobs amongst our members. Um, there is more work to go around if people are working less. It's a simple argument, really, from that point of view. And I think it is still very relevant to how we think about the impact of automation on our economy. Um, but not just this kind of it, it doesn't take a crisis moment either to to mean that we have to move towards shorter working week. There is a lot of work at the moment. There's a lot of unemployment, underemployment, sorry, um, and a lot of jobs created in places like the gig economy, zero hour contracts, all this sort of stuff, which um, conceals the fact that our economy is failing a lot of people. What needs to happen is good, well-paid, secure work needs to be shared around more evenly in our economy. And, and postees are actually fighting for that now, aren't they? For that's, a reduction in their working week. That's right. The CWU, the Communication Workers Union, um, are actively fighting at this moment for a short, shorter working week. And this is a direct response to the automation I was just talking about. So the, the um, back end of their jobs, the, the parcel packaging process, um, is currently or yeah, is currently being automated. And as a result of this, um, postal workers have had to change the structure of their jobs and are on their feet for a, for a lot more hours. The union have said to, um, uh, to uh, the Royal Mail that, um, okay, that's fine, you automate this process, increase productivity, this is great for you, it's great for the organization, but as workers, we want to get some of these productivity gains in the form of a shorter working week. It's, it's fair. Um, and that's exactly the type of arguments that we need to put forward more widely in our economy. Well, I hope the posties get what they want for Christmas, four-day work and week. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Aidan. Thanks so much for having me on, Kirsty. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Acast or wherever else you get your podcasts. Tom Golding produced this episode. I'm Kirsty Major. Have a nice Christmas and we'll see you in January. 